You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Okay, so this is the race recap for Land Run 100 from Andrea and I's perspective. Uh, we both did the race. Uh, as you heard in our discussions with uh, Bobby, we were offered a Salsa Fargo tandem. Um, <laughs> we got it off the wall. We started digging through it. We started playing with it, and I got a bad feeling. Uh, it just yeah. So at first, at first, Matt was like, "Hey, it's it's up to you." Because you're the one who, who has a chance, you know, you, you might do well in the women's race. So getting on the tandem that means that, you know, we'd be against other really good tandem teams. We probably being our first time on a tandem wouldn't, you know, it, it would just be an experience. It just wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily be that competitive. So he's like, it's up to you. And I said, well, this is kind of the first opportunity, like a, a unique opportunity. It's not very often someone offers you like a, a nice tandem to ride in a hundred mile race. So it's like, well, yeah, why not? Let's do it. But it, it <laughs> and then Matt got a bad feeling. I got a bad feeling because, um, I was just imagining, I know that I'm very picky about my saddle and I know that Andrea is picky about her saddle. And I know that even when you put a saddle in the right place by a tape measure, you still need to do some wiggling and some moving and some minor adjustments. And I just really, I didn't want to dive into all that at this point. If we had shown up that day knowing we were going to be riding a tandem, knowing that we were like, if I had my pedals and saddle in hand and we knew that we were going to be doing that, it would have been much easier to say, yes, I'm going to hop on. But the, we would have to pick up. We like, we need to go to Bobby's house and get the stoker handlebars. Yep. So the handlebars, uh, for the, for the stoker attached to the captain's seat and the Bobby uses that seat, seat post, stem, bar and everything on his Trek, uh, cargo bike. That way his kids can sit on the back and hold the handlebars. Like they sit on the little platform and hold the stoker handlebars on the, on the, uh, cargo bike. So, uh, not all the parts were at the bike shop, not all the parts that we needed from our bikes were there. Um, and it was, it was pretty busy. Um, and it was like six o'clock at night too, or something. Yep. It was six at night. The shop was absolutely packed. Uh, there was just lots of, lots of little things. And I just, I just decided that I didn't want to, it seemed like too much. And, uh, we decided to just race our bicycles. Um, in retrospect, that was probably a very good idea. Uh, <laughs> well, there wasn't, a, I don't think any tandems finished. Uh, they were having such mechanical issues that don't think anyone on a tandem finished right. the race. Um, so as we had talked about with Bobby, it was raining. Um, and the rain took a little more of a toll on the roads than I think that uh, people had maybe anticipated. So, uh, fast forward to race morning. We're on the start line. We're on our bikes. And, uh, given the fact that Andrea and I are both very proficient road riders, we lined up on the front row. Um, there's 500 people on differing bikes, some with flat bars, some with drop bars, some with dirt drop bars, some on tandem, some on fat bikes. And 
when people don't know how to road ride, it's, it's very scary. And it's in some ways even scarier if you do know how to road ride because you would expect the person next to you to do something very consistent and very, very predictable. And when they don't do that, it makes you very, very uncomfortable. Um, if you're not familiar with road riding, then you just think that, oh, riding on the road is hard and like, ah, it's stupid. But when you're used to it and then people start doing sketchy stuff around you, it, it makes your pucker factor, in my opinion, even higher than just Joe Blow that doesn't ride on the road. Um, so we had lined up on the front. The American Classic guys said that they weren't going to, like, they were all lined up on the front. And they said, we'll line up front row on the road, and the neutral rollout will stay neutral. Yeah, that's that's a thing. If you've ever been in a race with a neutral, and when I say that, uh, you can't see, but I'm doing air quotes, uh, a neutral rollout, it normally ends up being like, yeah, the police car that's leading it is like, oh, they're right behind me. I need to speed up. And that just turns into like a... A deadly cycle that ends up with the, the neutral rollout being 30 miles an hour. Yeah, or you're, even like in a mountain bike race, I've done a neutral rollout at like 24, spun, like totally spun out, just like neutral rollout. Yeah, and they, they actually, they did, they lined up across the front and, and you know, those guys like went, they like swept the podium last year, so no one was messing with them about that. They were like, okay, we, we got the respect of everyone, we're just going to line up across the front. And we're not going to get into the chase the police car game if they go a little too fast. And they didn't. They, and it was good. It was very good. It was a very, very comfortable, very convenient time. Uh, but what we did is we we went and we were riding. And uh, Bobby said that the guys, that people go out in mud when it gets nasty. And we started onto the dirt road section. Um, and it started to get a little sticky. And it, no, when we first hit the gravel, it was just, it was just it was fast just, and rolling. It, it was, was just soggy gravel. Yeah, and, we were just going flat out and that stuff. And we were going, uh, fast. I mean, really fast. And people were coming through. Things were starting to, I guess you could say, uh, formulate themselves and solidify. Like, these are the people that are going to go really fast and they're going. I can't go that fast. I'm going to stay here. And, um, we were, when we got a little bit deeper and it started to get a little questionable on rideability, um, we rolled over a little hill and there was a pickup truck deep in the ditch. When I say- Like fender deep. When I, well, what I was going to say is in the ditch in a way that I don't think the drivers, like the person had been going down the road, they went off the road on the wrong side of the road. So driver's door was against the bank of the ditch. You know, like, uh, they went off the left side of the road and I don't think the driver's door could have opened because the ditch was in the way. Um, so that was a bad sign. Um, people were, well, yeah, and people were, that was the first section where you like, you came, you came up to it and there were just people walking along the side of the road through the bushes with their bike. Yep. And it was, it was tough. Uh, we started pushing, we started, uh, walking with our bikes and personally, um, I had known looking at it, uh, this is just my little food for thought. You can tell me I'm wrong. Um, you can either, uh, go to the, the comment section on this, uh, this podcast and tell me how wrong I am, or you can go to, uh, uh, send a comment and then, 
and then tell me to go with a link to go to Ride and Gravel and start something in the forum over there to tell me how wrong I am. But when you put a and and here I'm going to say it, I'm not wrong. When you put a 40 C tire in a bike that's not made for a tire that wide, and then it gets muddy, guess what? You don't have any. Your mud clearance isn't dick. So you know what? You're screwed. Um, the there were people who had these huge tires shoehorned into these cross bikes or these bikes that aren't really supposed to fit those huge tires, and they didn't have any mud clearance. And very quickly, people's bikes were totally clogging up. Um, I was riding my Cannondale with 32 millimeter tires, um, some Vittoria TNT XG Pros um, on crest rims. So they're on the crest rim. It probably measures 33. 32 or 33, uh, they're pretty wide rims. Um, and I was, I had good clearance, but I felt like I wasn't rolling that well. Um, to give you an idea on the CAD, I, I can, I put a 41 millimeter nard in there and it cleared. I just didn't like the way they rolled at one point and I took them off and I haven't ridden them since. Um, but it was time to start pushing. So we were pushing and, uh, and this, carrying. And carrying. Um, and Cause, that's. Because if you pushed, your bike would pick up a bunch of mud and eventually the wheels would stop turning and then you'd have to carry a bike that had 20 pounds of clay attached to it. Yep. So lots of uh, either, as Andrea said, in the bushes. So I found that if I put my bicycle on the. When the ditch was the right size where it was possible, you could put your bike on the, the dry side or the high side of the ditch and walk in the ditch and push it. Uh, but even then you were still collecting mud sometimes or your feet would just become uh, basketball sized clobs of mud. Um, and Andrea was running her hardtail with 2.0 tires. And so I had a lot of mud clearance. I had great mud clearance. But you still. I mean, still had to push and carry a bunch. Yeah. But I had better mud clearance, especially compared to the people who had 40 C tires on their cross bikes. Like that, that was, that seemed to be the worst. As far as clearing mud, where the people, the closer your tire was to your frame, the worse the mud clearance was. But I, I had, especially on my front wheel, like I had, I could have picked up all of the mud on course in my front wheel and it, it never clogged up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that was good. My only problem really was that I, I was using XX1, um, and well, that, well, before we went into that, okay. I want to talk about what people were doing. So there's people, we were with people, and at this point, it, at some point, Andrea rode away from me. Um, I had to keep pushing, and she could start riding, and I just knew, in my mind, and you know, in retrospect, it's very easy to say this, um, for me, for my general I guess you could say attitude and, uh, I don't know, uh, what would I call that? Like bendings. I had a very good attitude about it. Like I was frustrated, but I wasn't mad. I wasn't talking to anyone. Um, that's my, pretty much my new race strategy. If I'm road racing, I just don't talk. And if I'm having a bad time in a, in an off-road race, I just don't talk. And, um, I just didn't want to talk to anyone because I didn't feel like I had anything good to say. Um, and I was, I resorted to carrying, there was people destroying derailers everywhere. Uh, what would happen is mud would lodge into their chain and their jockey wheels and their chain would get caught in their derailleur and then they would rip their derailleur off. And they were people that were just sitting in the saddle, putting out a bunch of like anger watts because it was so hard to ride. And, and at some point, 
I honestly believe people, whether they made that decision 100% consciously or not, they decided that they were going to ride as long as they could so their bike would fail, so they would have a good reason to fail. Um, I think that people stop taking the necessary precautions to be responsible adults and be people that are in charge of their destiny. Um, well, and no one also like people freak out at the thought of, Oh my God, how long is this going to last? This race is a hundred miles long and I have been carrying my bike for the last three miles. Yep. So, and, and they look, they start looking for excuses. Like you look for excuses to quit. It's like, you know, you run through your head. It's like, well, if this happens to my bike, then there's no way I can keep going. And that's, that's an ex. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to either ride this because I don't want to carry my bike for a hundred miles or I'm going to break my bike and I'm going to, and, and that's, that's my excuse to quit. Yep. So, and that's really the only negativity that I felt about the event. It wasn't that I was worried about the difficulty of it. For me, I was looking at time spent and distance covered and I was getting into a slight panic mode about if this continues to be this difficult, I don't have enough food and water to make it to my drop bag. Uh, there's no check. There was no on course support. So they're very much following that dirty Kanza uh, model. Um, and unfortunately, or fortunately, the Stillwater Jeep, or not Stillwater, somewhere in Oklahoma, like close by, the Jeep Club had came out to be rolling support. And I literally never saw those guys. There was so much carnage and so much absolute destruction in the people behind us that they never saw us. I never saw a single Jeep after we made the turn onto the muddy road. So I think I, I saw one with their bike rack out and like they were ready to pick people up. Like they were ready to take people off the course. But I guess what I'm going to is like, I was just afraid that I was going to run out of supplies. Um, yeah. That was my biggest concern. That was my largest and biggest thing weighing on me. Um, I did, I did have my phone so I could use a map. I did have some cash. So if things got really bad, I was going to find pavement and I was going to find, uh, Pretty much if you're bike racing and you have $10 and you're, you're on a rural road, you're going to find a gas station or a Sonic and I mean, you'll live. Like it might suck, but if you ate like four corn dogs and drank a slushy, like you you can ride for a long time based on that. Yeah. Um, and my, I mean, my strategy knowing that it was going to be a lot longer to my drop bag was just, you've got enough food for less time than this or, you know, I, I will run out of food, but I can ration it and I can also pace myself well enough. Um, metabolically speaking, I run a little slower than Matt does, so I can just pace myself. And plus I've, I know how to handle myself when I start to bonk. Like you just, you stare at the road in front of you, you, tr you try not to think about it and you just keep moving forward, even if it's very slowly. So that was going to be my strategy was just going to be like dealing with the disaster if I did run out of food. But luckily I, I had just enough to get me there. I had, I always carry extra because there's no telling what's going to happen. It just wasn't like six hours worth of extra. It, exactly. So I did have extra stuff. Um, I had enough stuff to last me 
if I've been, and also when you're going this slow, even though you're kind of working hard, um, you're, you're still not working at race pace potential. It's not like so I was. So you don't have to eat quite as much. Right. I wasn't eating quite as much and I had enough stuff to go full bore race pace plus an hour. So I was thinking it was going to take three to three and a half hours to get to the drop bag. And I had enough stuff that probably could have honestly lasted five hours. Yeah. So, yeah. But I had enough food to last five hours. I didn't really think I had quite enough water to last for five hours or to last. It, it, it was just water. Um, so we, we sort of had a, a, a separation. Um, uh, Andrea rode up the road. Um, I carried my bicycle for a, a cumulative five miles. Um, I looked back through my Garmin and. There were three sections where there was no significant amount of pedaling and no significant amount of speed. So it was pretty obvious that if I did pedal my bicycle, I pedaled it 20 to 30, maybe a hundred yards, but then I was right. Or you back sat on it and coasted downhill. Um, yes. So I, I went up and looked and I had a two mile section. Then there was a little reprieve and then I had a one mile walking section, a little reprieve. And then a, a little over like a 2.1 or so mile section. And then it was all, all rideable after that. Um, so, and I say all rideable, there was probably still like 50 feet or something. I mean, it wasn't much. Well, I think that there was still a time or two. A couple of we, corners. Like a lot of times the corners would be really gross. Yes. So that was good. Um, go, what, what, like the, the problem was people, would get their bikes rolling and they would be riding and then they would get to one of these nasty corners and load it up immediately and just shut themselves down. They'd be like people clearing their bikes after the corner. Yeah. This was what like my, okay. So, you know, like Matt said, I rode away a couple of times and I was able to just because of the clearance on the mountain bike and because the mountain bike, I think the, that XX one derailleur actually has enough space in it. That it handles the mud pretty well. It seemed to handle it handled it better than a road derailleur. Like the the jockey wheels have a little bit of space. There's just space. There's just more space there than there is in a road derailleur. So I didn't and and I was feeling for it. Like I I have I've been riding long enough that I can be pedaling my bike through some kind of stuff that's that's sketchy that's questionable and feel. Just that when the drivetrain starts to go wrong, like you can, you can feel the change through your pedals and people who don't know what this feels like will have no clue what I'm talking about. But people who know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like you feel as it starts to go south, like you feel that fraction of a second, your pedals, like through the pedals just doesn't feel right. And you, you can't be going full bore. You have to be just really carefully balancing just enough power to move down the road, um, but not so much power that you can't feel it if your drivetrain starts to lock up. And that's what I was doing. Like I was waiting for it. And it actually, I didn't have problems with my drivetrain locking up. I actually had problems with the chain getting so much mud in it that it wouldn't stay on the front chain ring. And that's, I, I want to interject here and say, I believe that if you had walked more, yeah. your chain would have stayed cleaner. Yeah, you're you're right. You're and right. that's where I was. I was at a point where I figured that out, but it just took me longer. <laughs> so I had a very very careful um plan every time I got uh, every time I walked, 
when I went to get back on my bicycle, I would take my right shoe, you know, the drive side shoe, and I would clean all the mud off the inner part, like the, by the arch of your foot. I would clean all that mud off on the end of the pedal. That way it wouldn't, because if you just put your foot on and start pedaling, all that mud will get scraped off by the chain. Um, and people were using sticks to clean their bike out, but they would stop and then they would like clean their bike out and they'd throw their stick down. And then, man, you gotta find, you gotta keep that good mud stick. Yeah. So like I got a mud stick and I kept it in my pocket. And, um, once I was able to ride, I would clean my front wheel on the drive side and non-drive side. I would clean my rear wheel on the non-drive side and with a stick. But what I would do is I would take my foot, my right foot and I would unclip it and I would put my toe way back by the tire on the, or sorry, back by like, uh, uh, the chainstay? No, the trailing end of the tire. What would be like the last thing? So when the mud came off, it squirted backwards. Cause if you scrape it off where you can reach it, the chain, the mud's gonna fall off down into your drivetrain. Yeah. But I scraped the mud off with my toe back as far away from the drivetrain as I could. And my bicycle mostly functioned all day. Um, I had some cable issues. Uh, the, the CAD 10 or the CAD X has, um, an exposed shift cable. And it, it doesn't got, have to be exposed. It got covered and <laughs> caked with mud and it stopped functioning properly. Um, later I scraped all the mud off of the thing with a, with a rock and it, it started working. Um, the, on the little cable guide on the bottom of the down tube. Um, and when I got home, I found out one of my jockey wheels didn't turn, but. Other than that, it was, uh. Yeah. He's like, what is that noise? And I was like, it sounds like your chain's just like rolling over your jockey wheel. It just, it wasn't turning. Uh, I don't think that was the issue. I think once I got back home, I think that. It dried up and. That pedaling power, I was able to keep it rolling. Yeah. Um, I couldn't spin it by hand. Uh, I have a bad chain line on that bike. And I think that's what that noise was. Cause I could make the noise go away if I shifted into a different gear. Okay. Um, so after the checkpoint, or really at about we were, we were, you and I were kind of, we should, we should tell that part. Like we were kind of back and forth as far as like, we, we didn't, I was trying to race at this point. Like I was like up, I was in, you know, podium contention back and forth with two other women pretty much. Um, and you know, it's like, I, I'm trying to race. So if they're walking, I'm going to walk, but if they're riding, I'm going to ride and I'm going to try to keep them in my sight. And, uh, you know, and it was, it was going along pretty well. Um, Matt and I ended up together at like the 22 mile mark where we had to walk a long way and go through, I think it was called Pleasant Valley Road is what Bobby said. Then I heard him say the name of the road a few times. Um, the secret road. The secret road, um, which ended up being really cool. It would have been awesome if we weren't walking it, but, uh, we we ended up together there and rode um pretty much like at the end of that that was the end of the worst of the mud i mean that was you know at, like he said that it was about mile 25 um and after that there were a couple of short spots where you had to where where walking was good um but you know and and one thing i figured out um pretty quickly was if you look down the road and you see people stopped clearing their bikes out, that meant you should probably walk that section of mud. Like when you rolled up on on some mud, it's like, can I ride this? Should I walk this? And 
it was it was just read read ahead. Look at what people are doing ahead of you. And it's kind of like at Dirty Conza last year. If I saw like, you know, a kind of a G out between two hills, if you saw people strewn up the road changing flat tires, you should slow down. Like slow down and pick a line through the bottom of that through that little like roller between the the hills. Like slow down, pick a line, and don't get a flat tire. And it was kind of the same thing with the mud. It's like if you look up the road and you see people clearing mud out of their bikes or like, you know, a derailleur hanging off or whatever, just go ahead and get off your bike and, and walk it right there. Like that, that kind of, that worked, that strategy worked for the mud as well as it did for flats. It did. Uh, so at mile 30, we were able to start riding again, very consistently riding. And we were, there was a, a check-ish point thing there, though, and they they didn't really say that food was available. There was for, a food truck there, and beer. Yeah, I didn't. I knew better than to get caught up in that. Yeah, um, yeah. I stopped and got water. I like got a water refill, and I just kept going. And at some point, Andrea like, but I wasn't going hard. Um, and Andrea caught up to me, and the roads are still pretty soggy at this point. So we started riding together, and. We rode together for the rest of the race. It just, it, I don't want to say it was a suffer fest, but it, I mean, it ended up taking us nine hours and 50 minutes. I mean, it was a rough, long day on the bike. There was a good bit of wind. Well, this, um, this is like my official, I, I'm not even going to write up a race report. So I want to get a little bit more in depth into like how my race went. Um, because I did something that I've never done before and that I've actually kind of complained about before. Um, Matt and I, like he said, from, you know, I caught up, I caught up to him and, and we were kind of back and forth a little bit. I wasn't really, you know, I was talking to him a little and encouraging him because I knew that, you know, he was having kind of a hard time. I, I kind of like, honestly, like in the mud, I was a little bit giddy. I was like, this is awesome and everyone else hates it. So I love it even more. Um, and then we really started riding and it, it was pretty obvious. Like I just, you know, the, the whole race for me was like a culmination of, the crap that I've been going through, like since really, like really hard. I mean, the last two years, because two years ago I got hit by a car during Rouge Roubaix. Um, I kind of dealt with it and shook it off for about a year. But then um, last year around September, I just had a series of like people in their cars who purposefully rode in a way that they didn't care if they hit me. Like they knew I was there. And drove in a manner that was like, you're either going to go into the gutter off the road or you're going to get hit by my car and I don't give a fuck. And that, um, it just, you know, flipped a switch in my head and I started, I started having panic attacks. Um, I've spent most of the winter doing occasional, like if I could get away to Arkansas doing some long rides there. Um, you know, I went like on one long road ride with a friend, but Generally, just kind of like riding the trainer and riding the trails whenever they were good, which wasn't really, it's not really that often in the wintertime in Memphis because our ground doesn't, doesn't drain that well. Um, I, I hadn't really trained to ride, to race a hundred miles. So, you know, this was like a culmination of that. Like my fitness isn't, it was kind of average. Um, and then we got to, you know, they, because of the course conditions, because it was taking so long, they rerouted the course on four mi- four mile stretch of pavement. 
which I'm not faulting Bobby for that at all. I think that was a really good move on his part. It made, you know, I'm sure it improved the finish rate and it made time, you know, more people were not finishing in the dark. That was a good move on his part. For me, it was terrible. It was, it was really bad because we, uh, it was kind of a narrow road. It was a little bit busy. I don't think, you know, and this is me speaking honestly, like objectively speaking, it was not a dangerous road. So, you know, once again, not Bobby's fault at all, but. And, and maybe to even add to that, it was a very straight, it was the straightest four mile road in the world. But that's, that's where I got hit by a car was on the straightest four, was on the straightest section of the course that I was on at that time. But it was a little rolly. So you didn't have a clear line of sight everywhere. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And there was a headwind, like a 15 mile an hour headwind. So it was just slow. And there were enough cars that after about a mile, I just really like, I, I had a bad time. I, I had a panic attack and it, it wouldn't go away. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, I was somewhat hysterical and I was just trying to get to the end of the road. And then when I finally did, you know, I, I pretty much just pulled over and cried for about five minutes at least. I don't know. Um, and, it, you know, during that time, you know, someone passed me. And then I got to eventually, you know, we got to the uh, checkpoint because that was about mile 40 to 44-ish. It was 40.6 to 44.6. Yeah. So I had a panic attack for three miles in the headwind. Um cried for a little while at the end of it, got to the aid station or got to the midpoint, sat on the ground and cried for a while. You know, I, there was lots of crying in the middle of the course for me. And I'm sure at some point some photos are going to come out because there were photographers all around the, the aid station, like the halfway point. If you see pictures of me, you'll see I was, I was having a bad time. Um, and, and when you say a little bit of the aid station, uh, 25 minutes. Okay, so yeah, we I spent... didn't stop my garment at all for the entire thing. Um, yeah, neither did I. And it was twenty three or twenty five minutes, so it was a uh, it was not a fast in and out uh, drop zone. Or I drop pretty bag much swap. Yeah, like at that point, I knew like so. Normally, if I have a panic attack, it ends my day. Like not just my ride. Like I I need to get home because it's kind of like if you can imagine like like lightning, like, you know, like a huge emotional outburst and then all of the charge is gone. Like it's, you know, lightning's like an outburst of electricity. This is like an outburst of like everything in my head and it will wipe me. Like I'll, I'll spend, if I have a panic attack, I'll spend the rest of the day on the couch because I don't have the energy to deal with anything else. And, you know, for me, this is like the person with, you know, a, I don't know, a broken derailleur or something. It's like, this could be, this could really be an excuse to quit. You know, I mean, I, I really, I've never even tried to keep riding, much less riding in these conditions over this distance after having such a bad panic attack. And I sat on the ground and, and cried and I told Matt's like, do you want to keep going? You know, and there's people coming in and leaving. Another woman came in, you know, to the the aid station and I, I'm pretty much, I'm like bleeding time at this point. And <clears throat> I know that my race, like race race is kind of over, but you know, I, I just, I told Matt, I said, I got to get my shit together. 
and I pulled myself together mostly. Um, ate, drank a Red Bull, had a Snickers bar. Um, you know, kind of just, just like I, I just, I took some time. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't fast, it wasn't competitive, but I, you know, at that point, I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't let getting hit by a car make me DNF another hundred mile race because that's when I, I got hit in the first place was during a hundred mile road race um, at, at Rouge Bay. So, you know, it's like, I, I can't, I can't let this make me quit again. So I kept going. Um, I did not go very fast and Matt, I rode with Matt the rest of the way, um, which is, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've talked a little bit about it on JRA. Like I, I normally think that when, um, it's definitely an advantage to ride with someone. Like to have someone there is like moral support and you feel a little sense of responsibility. Like you feel like I can't quit or slow down or fall apart right now because I'm with this other person. And that definitely, you know, that's, that's an advantage versus someone who's riding by themselves. It is. And I think that a big difference is, and obviously um, other people are going to have an opinion about this. And again, I, I don't really care what your opinion is, so don't bother telling me. <laughs> um, but if you have two people that are on the struggle bus and they're riding together, even if they came in the, like from the same town and their plan was to ride together and they're of the same or different sexes, that's one thing. Now, if we had, let's just say, let's say it was a very, very dry day. Okay. And obviously I'm fit enough to do a hundred miles in dry now that I've done a hundred miles in wet. But if, um, Ellen wanted to do land run next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ellen is a local, uh, cyclist. Yeah. She's a triathlete that, uh, I met while riding and, uh, just, we ended up riding together some and she's a, a pretty nice young lady, but she doesn't have any, um, Handling skills. She doesn't have any handling skills. She doesn't have any bike knowledge. Uh, she doesn't have the ability to take care of her bike in those situations. And if next year I went to Land Run and helped Ellen win the 50, that would be a big difference. Like if I, if I showed up fit enough to race the 100 and it was dry and I just rode with Ellen in case she had a flat in, tire. So or I could something. change her flats so I could. Uh, straighten her handlebars when she wrecks so I could lube her chain at the aid station. And like, if I were carrying her food, that would be totally different. But when you have two people that are, that showed up separated, came back together and said, look, we just got to get through this. Let's like, let's go. That's in my opinion, much different. I, yeah, um, I think it, it was a little different than what I've, what I have complained about in the past. Um, though, you know, I'll still admit that I, Normally, I'm the type of person that says, you know what, you're on your own, you go out there and you ride. But, you know, at this point, I was uh, I was having a really bad time. And, uh, you know, it, it was really, really helpful to have someone there who's a friend to just ride with, you know. And it was, um, you know, it was hard. And I, I kind of, I tried, like, one woman passed me, I kind of tried for a minute to stay with her. And then it's like, no, I mean, this is just dumb. I'm, I'm not in shape for this because I've had a bad, you know, I've had a bad time training this winter. And I just, I, it's like my mentally, I was just wiped out. It's like, I can't even push past where I, you know, past like doing 
you know, 150 watts down the road because I'm just, you know, I, I don't have the mental capacity to push myself like that right now. Yeah. So it was tough. Um, we, we ended up again, like I'll, I'll say it again. We, it took us nine hours and 50 minutes to ride 106 miles. Um, which isn't very fast. It's, it's, it's damn slow actually. Um, there's, I think a guy did it on a fat bike in eight hours. So obviously you could go faster. Um, yeah, that guy was, that, that guy know, would be fast to whatever he was riding. And maybe I'll put in my little pity party here. Like, uh, I haven't done. So that's uh, honestly time. So, the weather kind of sucks no, this winter. I was going to say, I've done one ride that was longer in time. I did a 12 hour mountain bike race once, but I think I only spent about nine and a half hours on the bike then. So I, but it was over a 12 hour duration. Um, so I'll say that that was the longest time ride that I've ever done. And then I did a ride on the road, all road miles that was longer once. I did a seven hour road ride last summer that was uh, 115 miles or so. But really this kind of tied in for, it was the second longest duration, you know, elapsed time that I've been on the bike. And it was definitely the second longest distance I've ridden on a bike. And um, I didn't do anything this winter. Um, I've been doing some some roller work, uh, which has been haphazard and half-assed. Um, I did some... Not uh, consistent. Not really consistent. And I never was able to get past. I did an hour and 30 minutes on the rollers one day. And that was about all I had. Um after February 14th, I hadn't spent more than three hours on the bike at any given time. Really, more than two hours. Uh, I just know that because the 14th, we did a long ride. Yeah, we went out on the bottoms. Yeah, so that week, uh, we The did, weather was great on February 14th, and then it turned to total shit. Uh, and for those of you that are like, well, that's winter, welcome to it. Unfortunately, we don't get a hard winter. We get a, a soggy winter. Um, so... We get a lot of 35 and rain. Yeah, a lot of 35 and rain. Um, or it's not raining, but it's still 35 and the ground is completely saturated. So you can't really go outdoors uh, because you'll still just get wet. Um, the roads are wet. The, the the trails are too wet. There's no mountain to hike over. There's nothing to fat bike. Because um, we did like the, the day that it snowed. We went out and, and rode in the, like, it was awesome. Like, we rode the snow, and it was really cool. Yep. And that, like, if we had that all the time, man, that would, I would, I wouldn't mind that at all. Like, we had a good time that day. Yep, and that was the type of weather where it's like, oh, man, if I had a fat bike, I could actually. We would even have a better time. I could actually ride this. And, yeah. And, um, you know, not to get too tangential. Uh, that's yeah, a, we're, that's we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent. But, but what we're going to is, what we're trying to say is. and this Memphis, is, Memphis winter sucked. And it's not that, uh, woe is me and it's not any of that, but I guess to wrap it up is I'm extremely happy with my result given the conditions, um, given the training. I understand that if I really, really wanted it more, I could have went to Florida and trained in Miami for, you know, a week or, <laughs> or two. Or, you know, if you really want it more, like, I mean, the past winters personally, I just, you just ride a lot. If you live in Memphis and it's wintertime, you have to train on the road if you want to be ready for something like this. You just have to. You have to get out and train on the road. And that was my problem. You know, it's like the weather sucks and there's a really high chance that I'm going to get out in the shitty weather and have a panic attack riding and training on the road. So, you know, that's really, that was my hang up about it. It's like I didn't have that 
motivation to push myself that hard like I have in the past. Because, you know, like, you know, even just last year doing like the Ogre 150 and Dirty Kanza, like I did a bunch of, and getting ready before that, like for the NUE races, like I did heavy, heavy road miles over the winter. And, you know, it takes a lot mentally to push yourself to do that. And I just didn't have it this winter. Yeah. And it's, and I would even go as far as to say that even for road riding, the weather was a little less than. Yeah. It was a little worse this year than it has been in the past, but you know, I, I blame it more on my, my inability to push myself. Um, so Again, I'm very, very satisfied with it. Uh, if nothing else, it was a really, really good start to the day. Yeah, and I, I did. I ended up fifth overall in the women and second in my age group, which was 39 and under. Um, there were the three 40 year old women who, 40 and over women finished ahead of me and one 39 and under woman finished ahead of me. Um, you know, it's not terrible, but you know, I'm, I know, I know I can do better and you know, it's been, frustrating but um you know it was a great race you know bobby did an excellent job with the race he did um so i think here we've kind of beaten our race report today all right i would like to apologize for the abrupt and seemingly unscripted and there we had originally planned to put this together in a little bit different order, but when I started putting it together, I made the decision that uh, we should have our podium positions and super sweet fixed gear guys come in first. Um, and honestly, I was afraid that if you heard our race report, you wouldn't want to listen to the second part. And I really think that I wanted to put what Andrea and I recorded with uh, Bobby's recap and the uh, guy that got last, Griffin. I really think that it's important for everyone to stick around and listen to that. So I wanted to draw everyone to episode two to hear our race report. So when we were recording there, we had planned to do things a little differently, but here we are. And if you stick around, you'll hear Griffin, who is inarguably the most excited person to ever finish last in a bicycle race. I hope you enjoy as much as I have. So here we are at the Land Run 100. It is after the race. It's uh, currently 9.20.35 at night. Uh, we started at 8 o'clock this morning, so we're 13 hours and uh, technically 36 minutes in. 13.36 uh, into the race, and we still have... How many people still on course, Bob? We have, we have officially one rider on course, and we have multiple vehicles uh, sweeping and sagging because it is dark. It's definitely dark outside. So seeing course markers and one runner on course, and we have one runner on course. Thank you, Arthur Elias is on course. Um, he texted me just a few minutes ago. He's at mile sixteen. 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 Sixteen miles to go. Okay. <laughs> mile ninety-two. Yes. Good. Good. Yes. Um. Wow. I can't stop thinking about it. Um. So we have one rider on course, Griffin Radford from Oklahoma City. We'll see if we can get an interview with him. And, uh, he just got a bike like six months ago, Yeah, right? he's got a straggler from us, and, and he's our boy. He picked up our flyers from the, the screen printers. This is perfect. Uh, Jim Jim Brewer just walked in. <clears throat> I'm going to have him sit down. Talk to us for a bit. Mountain Bike Radio. Hi, Mountain Bike Radio. <laughs> just have a seat. Yeah. Just ramble, it's fine. So, so Jim... 
and Crystal and I have been doing this together for three years. And uh, so this year, yeah, you tell the story. I want you to talk a little bit. Well, what have you been saying? Uh, nothing yet. We nothing just got yet. started. Uh, we're talking about Griffins on the course. Uh, we believe is the only rider left on the course, and, and Arthur yep. is uh, 16 yep. miles away from finish. Yep. And uh, you've seen, have you seen Arthur? Yeah, I went out and talked to Arthur. He did. He, he was looking good. Uh, he was walking right now, but he, he was he said that he was going to finish tonight. So hopefully he gets in here. So I don't know what time. He's on course. Yep, on course and, and, and uh, looking good. Two guys uh, out of the truck and one, or at least a couple guys in the truck. So, so we did the course. We did a course to Kearney, Oklahoma, the first uh, two years that we thought we thought we could do better than. Um, 551, what do we have, 5400 feet of climbing? Year one, yeah, it was, yeah. It was right around 5,000 feet of climbing, yeah. I know that, so. Um, They're sailing for the band. So then, uh, yeah, we're, we, we're, we're on rider watch right now. Yeah, we're on rider watch. So the last rider will come in any moment, and, um, after Andrea and I came in and apologized because he had another gentleman greet us because he was attending a medical emergency. Like, he he apologized because He's there like, was a motherfucking yeah, there's, there's a guy laying on the ground, and, and Bobby's calling 911, and then he's like, I'm sorry, I had to call 911 for this person. I didn't get to greet you. And I felt so bad because... And I, then he gave me a big hug, and like, so if yeah. you don't like hugs, don't come to Land Run 100. Yeah, yeah. yeah if yeah. hugs weird you out, you should not come to this and race. For those of you that don't know Bobby, he has a nickname, Huggy Bear, yeah. <laughs> that has gone around, and now it's becoming infamous uh, uh, more and more with... With every land run that we get out and, there. So. And what's funny is if you see Bobby, he is very huggy, but nothing else about him seems like a bear. He's a wee man. <laughs> He's, uh, like, oh, I commonly refer to him as my 12-year-old friend. I'm a wee so. man. <laughs> yeah, the 12-year-old with the biggest beard in the world. Yeah, so. it's true. Are we live? Or we're, oh, yeah. No, we pre recorded uh, no, no one will be listening right now. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put together something coherent oh, next week, and uh, Ben will. Um, oh, oh, no, that's just a dude on a bike. I'm like, shoot, there's somebody. There's so many dudes on bikes or, or people, like commuters and stuff. It's like, oh, my God. And how freaking awesome is that? I moved to Stillwater in 2004, and I thought I was weird because I had a rigid frame 26er, and I'm, like, just cruising around town, and I'm the only one. And now, you can't go anywhere without finding a bike. You need to go. Talk about yeah, let's so let's talk about uh, just the course and how we had the same course the last two years, how we had great yeah. success, and then how you stepped in this year. Yeah, yeah. So right. you know, um, you know, two of my you know best friends, Bobby and Adam Gribben, um, went out and designed the first course, and I really didn't know either of them when they were working on it, and just kind of got pulled into this uh, cycling community that we have here in Stillwater, and. I have a knack for organizing, and Bobby has a knack for big ideas. And I figured, hey, let me help you out here and just start helping them out. And that course, the first two years, was just epic. I mean, we have people that drive from Iowa to just come down and race it uh, or just have fun and, and go out and ride on a weekend. And so uh, when we were looking at redesigning the course for this year, 
I, uh, I asked Bobby if I could go ahead and do it, and so I was just trying to find some ways to top it and uh, just see if I could get some more climbing. Yeah, and you found the that uh, the little cow pasture road. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we went out, I went driving with a friend of mine, and we were just driving around looking at roads, and we drove by this road, and it was just, it was a nightmare, which I'm sure you guys got to see today. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Um, and I was like, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, back up, back up. So we backed up to this road, and we looked at it, and I was like, oh my goodness. Is it one of those that it's on the map? Like, it's on Google Maps, but then you get there, and it's like, is that really on, a road? On Google Maps, it actually shows that it dead ends. It doesn't show the middle part. Okay. And so what I did was I pulled it up on Google Maps, and I was like, I think I can go through there. I yeah. mean, it show, there's this bridge out, but on Google Maps, you can't see the, like, 35, 40-foot drop where the bridge used to be. Yeah. And so I, I rode out there by myself on a solo ride, and I get out to the end. I'm like, what? the hell is this what am i supposed to do and so i just started wandering around and i ran into that cattle path that i sent you guys down today and i was like this is too perfect this has got to be on the course now obviously today you know we had the mud that you know i didn't have yeah experience, it was funny because we walked up and it said dismount, dismount zone. zone it's like we walked up to dismount zone it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you guys have a real good sense of humor uh, the most hilarious part was there was this this one gentleman who will remain unnamed and he comes up and so like we're all like walking with our bikes right and he comes up and he's like i gotta get going and then like he starts like doing the most awkward penguin shuffle down that little cattle path and i wanted to like take my front wheel and poke his bike and be like let's get going <laughs> oh my gosh but you know i i, I wasn't gonna be a chotch to him so uh. oh that's awesome so i ran into them yeah. Or there, I mean, we saw them on the cow pass. Yeah, you guys. Uh huh. And that was just you. You guys were switched on hardcore. It was completely <laughs> rad to be out there with Jim, and like to be out there and see you guys rolling through. I told Bobby as we came through, I don't know whether I should kiss you or kick you. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then you said, "Well, there's one more section that's going to be uh, unrideable," and I was like, "Huh?" And like, it never really got rideable. <laughs> so no, no, no. For a while. And so we couldn't decide whether it was going to, whether that was. We didn't know if that, if that's what you meant, or if like after you can't ride this time, there's going to be one more time you can't ride. It was just like it was like, oh god, how long is this going to go on? But and there was one more after that, after the staircase. So you talk about staircase. Pretty much after the staircase, you couldn't ride for for a mile. Yeah, a little longer than a mile. Yeah. Have you guys talked about the staircase yet? Not yet. No. Okay. So for context. When I found this route, there was really no way to get to the other side, and so I uh, enlisted the help of some friends of mine, and they built from scratch a staircase, 19 steps from bottom to top to get us up this out of this ravine, so that way we'd be able to use this road. So, I mean, it was pretty awesome being able to get out there and seeing everybody going up there. It was very cool. So Pleasant Valley Road hasn't been driven or traversed by vehicles for decades. Yeah. Uh, the the bridge that used to be there on this tiny gravel road, the remnants of it were at the bottom. They're, yep. they're all over the place. No rebar <laughs> to be found in the bridge, the concrete. Uh, the cattle have full rain. Um, oh, they rained all over that road. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, we just when we found it, like it scared it scared us, yeah. and so then we we knew we knew that we had to do it. And Jim. Was like that's the, and he looked at me and we were out there and we were literally walking 
when you guys got out of the staircase, um, that wasn't walkable, period. No, that was all brush and briars and crap, right? Before, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was all overgrown. Yeah, yeah. so Kevin Ehlers, Scott Nutt, uh, Jack Moore, Trevor Stewart, Trevor and Brett, Stevens. Uh, Brett Stevens, Jim. Uh, they were, I mean, Chainsaw was running for hours and hours, weeks before. Wow. And, and I mean, it's completely different. You can drive a truck down and down. And I mean, big trees, little trees, dead stuff. Um, you know, we found some barbed wire across the road in multiple places. That, well, I mean, the road, right? Yeah, like yeah. Rotations Road. Was it any like old TVs and couches? Yeah, no, no, no. It's pretty far away from anything. And so people don't, and it's gated. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but it's actually not been traversed for decades and was so overgrown because there are actually gates on each side of the road. Yeah. And Because uh, the bridge is out. Because <laughs> the bridge is out, yeah. So then they were like, well, we'll just put gates on it instead. And then they gave access to JD, the, the, yeah. the landowner, and JD gave us permission for just a moment on the Calipath. You guys were on private property, and we've never done that. We don't know many races who have had the races on private property. Besides Colorado, I hear Colorado's lots of that. But uh, private property for just a moment down into the creek bed and then up and out. So then the, the trophies that we gave away tonight, uh, the trophies were the the triangle rise over run remnants from cut the, out cut, the stringers. They cut cool. off the stringers for the staircase. Very cool. Yeah. So. It's great. I hiked it, what, two miles with everyone today? Yeah. <laughs> after the staircase. Uh, yeah. With Bob Cummings, uh, last year's champion, who was doing incredibly well and then uh, had flats and had issues and yeah. so did his teammate. Um, so did you hear the story of Bryce? So Bryce, yeah, let's talk about Bryce. Well, yeah. we interviewed him. Awesome. So you know what he did, right? Yeah, Bryce Bryce blew his rear derailleur, or blew his cable. Cable was like pulled out of his derailleur at mile nine. Yeah. I passed him on the road and him and his buddy were looking at it like derp and I was like, man. So you were with him? No, I just okay. Yeah, he was all broke him. down yeah, yeah. when I came by, and I was like, "Man, there's two people. A third person's not going to help." So I just yeah. kept trucking. Oh, yeah. But then, like, he goes on to win. Like, that's just amazing. He goes on to so, win. Twenty three, twenty two. He's old. young. Yeah. He's young and from Missouri, correct? I think Red so. Wheel Team Red Wheel. Yeah. Uh, I know that's his team. I'm unbelievable. Yeah. Day. So yeah, I mean, um, just to get into a, like a a moment. Like in our heads, like Gemini's heads of being a promoter and being a course uh, creator. You talked about you know all that. Our conversation of, of going to create a course. Um, Jim and I were at the bottom of Pleasant Valley, at the bottom of the creek bed, right in front of, of, of the cattle path, and the staircase behind us. Jim looked at me, and we both were tearing up because we thought we'd made a huge mistake. <laughs> I actually apologize for wrecking his race. Yeah, and I said, no, this is our race, and this is what we're doing, and, we're, and it's going to be incredible. And then, like, right after that, we got Dan, uh, we got Dave, David Wilson from Kansas City, who has uh, won single speed the last two years in a row, who rolls down with a huge smile on his face in first place. And we got Jim Cummins in, like, third place. So before that, we have Brandon Neal in second local, place, the local Stillwater guy, who's been our number one volunteer my guy my guy downtown the last two years in a row that when we need something Brandon was there and made it happen rocking the 29er with the yeah. bars. yeah so Brandon <laughs> yeah. And, and Brett Stevens switched places this year and uh, Brandon Bobby Griffin's on duck was almost here 
All right, we have a rider coming in. And so Brandon, Brandon and Brett switched places, and Brandon even led led the race for a short period of time until Dan, uh, Dave, David oh, wow. caught him. And uh, unbelievable. And so after that, then Jim Cummins, and I just thought, this is unbelievable. We're doing the right thing. That, that was Crystal, my wife. Uh, so All right. You, you proclaimed yesterday my... Uh, my beautiful wife that gave you your T-shirt or your package. Oh, he said my yes. hot wife. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. She's both. Oh yeah, um, she's a really good bike rider too. She's yeah, we've heard she's yeah. doing. Like, well, talked to her a little bit earlier. She didn't want to be on the show. She said she hadn't drank enough yet. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I'm um, gonna get a beer for Griffin. Okay. Uh, do you want to when oh, he comes in, yeah. like lasso him and drag him in? Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, you're. Jim, right? Yep. I'm terrible with names, so I'm sorry. Oh, no, so, no um, you guys put together a different course this year. Uh, yeah. And backtracking a little, what made you want to do a different course? Well, we kind of, you know, when we first started Land Run, we really looked at Dirty Kansas as kind of our inspiration for what we were doing. And, and we've really become, at least the way we feel, is that we're sister cities with Emporia. So, you know, we're not completely ripping them off just blatantly. But, uh, 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 we decided that, hey, every two years, let's turn this course over. So that way, year one, we keep the course secret just so that you guys get the cue sheets like we did today, no Garmin courses. And then year two, we go ahead and release the Garmin course, and you guys have the opportunity to go out and get revenge on the course, basically. So for all those people that weren't able yeah. to finish today. Uh, and so, you know, we finished last year. We had a, a huge percentage of our riders who started actually were able to finish. And so this year, we were like, hey, let's let's try some new stuff. And and, uh, you know, I came out and just really looked for the, basically the most gnarly roads I could find and strung them together. And you, the, you did. Uh, you know, uh, under better circumstances when it's not muttered out like it was today, I mean, what I've been telling people is the first 52 miles are the best 52 miles, of course, I've been able to put together. So I yeah. hope next year you guys are able to come out here and see uh -huh. it under better conditions and, and really get out there and... and, and, and crush it but because it really is a fun course to ride when it's dry but uh and know. the second half rode really well yeah. um i think this is a you know just from my limited gravel racing experience which is now two races uh, <laughs> well, congratulations the first one i did was a 75 mile race and oh, i did that on my single speed mountain bike oh, and uh, uh it's very hilly so it wasn't a huge disadvantage but um, i rode a, a 2.1 tire, uh -huh. the smallest tire I yeah, owned at the time. Yeah. Like, I didn't put any money into it. Like, I just put the, yeah. uh, or maybe it was a 1.9. It was some really small specialized tire. Gotcha. Uh, you know, gotcha. Yeah. small small casing, small tread. Mm -hmm. This, today, I rode the cross bike, and mm -hmm. it wasn't really faster in the, nothing was going to work in the mud, but right. even on the stuff where it seemed like it should have been fast, it was really fast on smooth, but as soon as you had something that had been mud, mm -hmm. that got a little hard, so it was like lumpy. Yeah, man, the crossbody just beat me to death. Look, yeah, so I was gonna say the Fargo looks like the <laughs> killingest bike. You know, I, I do love the Fargo. I, I commonly refer to it as the most comfortable bike. I mean, mine, my my <laughs> bike's set up like a flat bar Fargo right now. Yeah, yeah. it is. But I really like drop bars because I like to be able to hold in a couple of different places. Right and, yeah. No, yeah, no, and, and that's the thing. It was interesting because uh, everybody was saying, "Oh, ride your fat bike, ride your fat bike." You know, for this ride because of the rain we got yesterday. I think the fat bikes had a harder time than anybody else just because their bikes weighed 4,000 pounds rolling through this mud. Well, I made the joke to some, the guy. Uh, he had the gold 21-inch leaned up in here last night. He's a local dude. Single um, speed. Oh, Jack uh, Christian? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just big dude. 
a gold salsa of some sort, yeah. like a gold muckluck or something. Probably, or probably a jack. He's got a single speed. So. But he, uh, he was like, he said something. I was like, about you know, oh, I'll just glide over the mud. I said, or you have more tire for mud to see too. He's like, nah. I'm like, well, kind of. When you have a five inch tire and you can put one inch thick on your tire, my tire's one inch wide. Oh, Yours are, you know, the, I mean, the last fat bike that was able to finish or, or uh, that went up the stairs that we were referencing earlier. Man, that poor guy. He was just like one stair at a time with that bike, just like. Heaving it up, flopping it. But down. But there was a guy that finished on a fat bike in eight hours, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yes. had, we actually, I think we had that three like guys finish. The fat bike guys. stud right there. Yeah, I mean it's unreal. It I imagine that really person finish. would have been pretty fast on whatever bike he rode. Yeah, you know, most of the fat. You know, we had a bunch of guys who j- jumped off of their regular bikes to ride fat bikes this year. I think it was just more of a, hey, let's go do this and see what we can do, but. Yeah, I mean, to, I meant to tell Bobby if he gets tired of looking at that white bear grease over there, oh, that I would be really kidding, happy right? to roll it out of here for him. Yeah, carbon rims, a tie frame, you know, that's a kind of a sick one. Oh, you're talking the about bear that. Grease, the bear grease right there, yeah. yeah, that carbon frame. Oh, yeah, that thing's awesome. Yeah. There are a lot of people that have their eyes on that one. I, uh, it's just really neat. I, I, uh, yeah, you guys have a, a really, a really good setup. Um, what else about the race makes it? I mean, obviously, you have a lot invested into this race, time, energy, emotion. Uh, What we haven't really covered is the fact that when you show up, you guys have downtown closed off. You have five or six food trucks, a live band. Uh, The last guy is coming right now. What's his name, Aaron? Uh, Griffin. 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 Yeah, local, local college kid here, I believe. They're they're shaking they, up beer cans over there. <laughs> they are shaking beer cans as this person is coming towards well, you, the finish you line. Know something? I I just uh, swept the course uh, um, a few minutes ago, and I, when I rode by or drove by, I stopped and I talked to everybody and just was checking in. You doing okay? And he was so excited just to be out there. Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. I'll see you at the finish line. So, there he is. He's like sprinting. Today, They're uh, spraying him all over with beer. I think the guys, Kurt is one of the guys that works here, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Kurt said that this is his first ride over 50 miles. Yeah. So that's a hell of a first ride over They're over like picking zero. him up off of his bike and <laughs> they're so stoked. Well, and that's the great thing about this community, led by Bobby and Crystal, obviously. They just bring such an excitement to it and, and it just gets so many other people that normally wouldn't be like this. Just ready to have a blast and enjoy bikes and you know you, you look around and every single person out here you know maybe they don't have any business being on two wheels but they just love being part of this community and, and having a blast yeah i mean this is a, like this is a first class race i mean this is really and and you mentioned uh dirty Kanza and you didn't you haven't it doesn't bite the style of dirty cons it's like Im- imitation mm-hmm. is the sincerest form of flattery you well, know, it's- and that's kind of the way we look we, we used them as a model when we got started but since then we've really been looking at okay how do we build our own identity and how yeah. do we build our own brand and every year we kind of take another step away from what they're doing but always talking to them i mean leland is one of my good good friends we talk fairly often leland dane's up there jim cummings the moans they're just such awesome people to be able to learn from and be able to be around so it's it's great having this community in gravel and and, and you know i said it last night at the riders meeting it's great to have these <laughs> uh, have you 
Have you uh, done that race? DK, I, I, I attempted it two years ago. I, I, had an, uh, I had an injury, that an Achilles tendonitis issue that took me out, and then last year I wasn't able to do it. But this year I will be there. Do we have another rider coming? No, they're, they're just still just celebrating. Still he's he's <laughs> shotgunning a beer now. Oh man, so nothing like being. He just out. he just shotgunned a beer and threw like spiked the can onto the ground. Well, that's good because I'm supposed to open the streets back up in four minutes. So all right, <laughs> really. Well, I always ask for ten o'clock, but I don't think you know. Obviously, we don't have a lot of people down here. The city's usually pretty cool about what, letting us do these things because we turn out well and we take care of business too. I mean, like. If you look, my volunteers are out there pulling the trash cans together, getting all this taken care well, of. Well, yeah, and like the, we went to one of the restaurants. Uh, and Brooklyn. The, yeah, so Brooklyn's. And, and the guy said that since it's spring break, like they don't really, usually they don't have much business. And honestly, we break. actually, perp- we do uh, um, land run the first weekend of spring break of OSU, Oklahoma State's uh, spring break every year. For that reason? Yeah. Well, not specifically. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we were looking for a weekend. The first year we did it, we didn't do it that weekend. And last year we did it, and it just worked so well. And uh, we had nothing else going on in town. It really kind of yeah, like we out. were kind of like we were worried that there would be a wait at the restaurant, yeah. but there wasn't. It was just like all bike people in there. Exactly. Well, in this community, I mean, because we are you know a, a college town and a football town, you know, I mean, there used to be only handle sixty thousand people rolling through here. Yeah. So when we have. 500 or a couple thousand show up they're like yeah whatever we can make this work so yeah. it's, it's awesome being able to show you guys such like you know vip treatment out here but a really cool thing is by you guys doing it on a weekend that is dead it gives us like the red carpet treatment exactly. to your entire town exactly. because you know we went in there and like the manager saw us there yesterday and like we you know we're in town for two days we ate at brooklyn's last night and it was like well we know it's good so we went back tonight you know like why not? there's the man and there is the man so congratulations great course that was a great course twice the rider right so so we are mountain bike radio yes you ever listen to npr's car talk I've listened to NPR and a lot of NPR, but not car talk. Okay, unfortunately, uh, well, we talk that, about that, bicycles. Perfect. And we usually are drinking when we do it. He's drinking too. I saw him shotgun. I was just commenting on He's your shotgun. It was just a chug. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, it was just a. I, the chug uh, and spike. I wish the yeah. spike was the great part. Like that. <laughs> um, so. The fact that you're already drinking is good. Yes. Uh, I'm Matt, by the way. Griffin. Griffin, nice yes. to meet you. I'm Andrea. Andrea, nice to meet you. I'm also um, in. It's fine. Right. So here. we heard that today, that about six months ago, you got a Surly Straggler from District Bicycles here. Yes. And somehow you thought today would be the best day to ride more than 50 miles for the first time. Correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how did that go for you? Well, you know, it was amazing. It was a great experience. It really was. You know, um, the first little bit was really, really Really muddy, and uh, character it was, building. Uh, there was a lot of that. There's a lot of building. Um, you know, being able to carry. I don't know if they actually measured how far we had to carry our bikes. Uh, I would say probably five to seven miles of bike on back in a hundred and five seven mile race. I That's think one hundred seventy. Yeah. I think we carried our bikes like three hundred miles. <laughs> Basically. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely it was a great experience. They they put a great course together. Oh man, it was uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Where were you when it started getting dark? Oh gosh, um, 
out there. Honestly, <laughs> out there. Honestly, they did such a great job of putting up markers and everything that I didn't look at my cue sheet yeah. really at all for the first probably eighty miles. Yeah. And then probably around miles probably around mile eighty is when it actually got dark, dark. Yeah. And did you know you were gonna be out after dark? Yeah, luckily I was prepared and had a light. Okay, but I didn't know if maybe they brought you one or No no um luck, uh kinda unfortunately I have prescription sunglasses. And oh, so no. I couldn't obviously wear these. And so uh, that was interesting. But going down hills and bombing down hills, I was just like, I made it this far, and if I die, I die. You know, just go all in. <laughs> so you can't see far away. Yeah, I can't see far away. Yeah, I'm nearsighted, right? Yeah. So you could read your cue sheet, but you couldn't see potholes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really good because sometimes it was actually this is the only good part about it raining the previous night was that the pothole still had some water in it, so it was reflective. Ah, so that yeah, yeah, yeah. was, uh, and it was also a different color. It was a darker brown, and or actually darker red, I guess, because it's Oklahoma. Um, and also, uh, there was a pretty good stripe of good tire track to follow, right? For most most of the time, yes. So as long as you stayed there and out of the reflective or dark looking spots, you you were fine. Yeah, you know, I was pretty cool. fine. Um, there were some parts where it got kind of a little sketchy. Um, I almost got lost probably about five times. But it was, it was a great experience, just like, uh, so funny story, uh, the first ride I ever did was back this last July, not ride, race, uh, it was a 50 mile race in, uh, in El Reno. And the week before, I had only done my biggest ride, like 20 miles. And so I was like, oh, I want to go ride the course and just ride a portion of it. Well, I ended up getting lost and I was by myself and it ended up being a 45 mile race. Um, and I got, I got back at like... 1130 maybe so it was a 45 mile pre-ride yeah yeah this was like this was like the week prior to it and so i was like hey if i can do it in the dark by myself i'll be not knowing where i'm going i didn't know yeah 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 yeah. and so um and then you know there there were a lot of people that um that didn't have the right attitudes in the land run i believe i mean it's kind of unfortunate we have that many people there's gonna be some people that are the downers, but I mean, you, no, this is cool. You can say douchebags on here. I mean, no, yeah, they they were they were uh, like, negative Nelly, mm, um, Debbie Downer. I I think the right word would probably be pussy. They were they were they were sorry. They Let, let's not bring my genitalia okay. into um, this. Sorry, you can call them a nutsack, but not okay. a pussy. Ooh, dicks. Then is that yeah. one? <laughs> a classic penis. Ooh, they were. <laughs> They were they were whiskey dicks actually. To be fat. There you oh, go. That's a really dicks. good. That's a no, good. No, they're really whiskey dicks. You know, they're just like flopping all around in the mud and not doing shit. And then they're like, oh, it's all sad. No, they had terrible. Like, I remember we stopped at a point and there's a bunch of people stopped at this one corner, and I'm kind of a very uh, extroverted person. Yeah. And I had a bunch of mud on my on my bike, but everyone was like stopped and taking you know sticks and stuff. I said screw that, so I just hopped off my bike and started running with it in the grass where everyone was like, there's probably at least 80 people there maybe, and I was like, you know, riding around, and then I just hopped back on my bike and like went off. People were laughing probably at me, but I don't really care as long as I get them laughing. Um, yeah, that's good. But then then you know trudged on through the trenches. Um, it was basically like. If if I would have been in probably World War Two, you know, storming the beaches of Normandy or something, yeah, you know, totally. having to trudge through all this crazy, crazy terrain, carrying a bike, or I mean, they would be carrying backpacks, but yeah, yeah. So you had a bike pack. Yes, it was yeah. a bike pack. Yeah, 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 definitely. 
Um, not to be confused. Soldier surgery now, but it's fine. With worth it. it. <laughs> worth it. Yeah. Worth it. I don't even know what happened to my bike. Do we need to fine. do we need to wrap it up? No. Uh, yeah, ooh. we're getting close, Craddock. We're getting close. We're Should we wait? Couple minutes, couple minutes. Okay. Yeah. Start lining it up right here and then we'll open the door. Okay, As you can tell, we are live on the scenes of the Land Run one hundred. <laughs> oh, this yeah. is live. Hello. No, yes. well oh. It, oh, it, it, yeah. we're recording. <laughs> okay, we're recording here in the flesh. It's not like we're in some studio. Oh yeah, no. They have a blue microphone, which is actually the best microphone ever built. I have a Nessie. Yeah. Anyway. We don't. I don't know okay. anything well, about that. Ah, no, it's okay. cool. It's cool. The internet said that was good, so that's what we have. I mean, that's why I got the Nessie. So, internet never lies, <laughs> except uh, when it does. Except, except when, it does. when it does. But no, it was it was a really great time. You know, I was. So, will you do it next year? Oh, 100 percent. Will yeah. you ride rides over 50 miles between now and then? Yeah. Good. Yeah. No. Oh. I mean, I'll, I'll sure hope so. Oh yeah, you will. Um, He's in the crew. You know, it was it was one of those things where my my mindset going in was I don't care if I'm dead last because I was. I don't really care about that. Like the only person I was racing against was myself. You know, and that's what really matters. Did at any point that's, in time did you kind of like quit in your head? Like you're like, okay, this is this is it. I'm I'm done. I'm gonna stop here. Actually, or next no. time I see a sag, I'm gonna get out. Like you should no. get into like hundred mile or twelve hour mountain bike racing. You should get into well, mixed see, martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> see, here's the here's the thing though is is my whole attitude going into it was that I'm just gonna finish. Like I will literally carry. Like when we were going through the mud, I was like. If I have to carry this 100 miles, I'm going to freaking carry this bike 100 miles and cross that line. Yeah. Like, I'm going to finish. And everyone, like, all these people, I don't even know how many people, like, actually didn't um, didn't finish. But, you know, there's a lot of people that stopped at the halfway point, And I talked to Bobby's wife, Crystal, and I said, hey, what's, like, the latest time I can leave the 50 mile? Because I got in pretty late. And she's like, oh, you need to leave. Thank you. She need to leave, you leave like, 345. So, like, okay. I gotta eat, get everything ready, clean my bike, grease it up, you know, lube it up, whatever, and then hit the road. And and so I did, and I thought I was the only one that actually left. And then a couple people joined me that uh, they, they were behind me, and then they ended up uh, stopping as well. And then so I was like, okay, well I guess I'm the last person. There's actually it's kind of sad. There's actually a person I don't know who it was, but he was about 15 miles out and he stopped. I yeah, like, yeah, we know. Oh, 15 miles like, to go. Dude, yeah, I know. He, I, I tried to, I tried to talk okay. about it. He looked okay. I know. He looked great. I know. I tried to talk him out of yeah, it. I really did. Dude, dude awesome. thank you. So this guy, they were, they were my lifesavers right there. Um, they had they had at the, what, what mile? Was it 80 mile? 85. 85 ish. Oh, yeah, you were the guys yeah. with the beer and water and Cokes. You gave me a Coke, and that changed my life. Yeah, that was. Fun. They gave me water and a banana, and it changed. Actually, I still have the banana. But I was gonna ask for that back, dude. Yeah, go ahead. So yeah. Explain, explain what they're doing. Uh, well, okay. So at various points during the race, they had uh, it was really well executed. They had actually at one point they had uh, the Evoke truck, right? Yeah, Evoke. Sip Evoke um, coffee, and then they had Black also Mesa, Black Mesa like Mesa Brewery, and you know it was all it was all included. Yeah, it was like a random beer truck on. The yeah, course. it was fantastic <laughs> because some. Some people were like, oh, hey, there's a beer truck up ahead. I was like, what? So we got beer and got bananas, and those are the only two bees you need whenever you're racing. So it was a, it was a great time. It was a great time. And, you know, and I had other stops as well like, and with water and, you know, scratch and uh, bananas and other Coca-Cola. other stuff you need. Yeah, yeah we had Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper's. Paps Blue Ribbon. PBR. 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 
so anyway, it, it was really I was really really impressed with how last year I volunteered at the at the land run to help uh, make sure no cars were coming at the finish line, and and so then I was like, okay, I really want to be able to finish this and go across that line next year, which I did. Well, just did. Yeah. Minutes did. ago. Yeah. Literally else. minutes ago. I still have all of my muddy everything on. Yeah. If nothing else, your enthusiasm, I think, yes. kind of like embodies the entire race. Like everyone that's here is very excited. The oh. whole thing is very fun and a very good time. I mean, uh, you know, I can even say a little bit about the, the whiskey dicks in the mud. Early on, there was a guy walking and he's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to make much more of this. And I said, I don't think you should be saying that because I don't want to hear it. Exactly. And like, no. soldier, like, I just, awesome. that was my very nice way of awesome. telling him to shut the fuck up because yeah. all you're going to do is <laughs> make other people, people yep. think, oh, I should quit too. Like, no, just yep. you shut up. Yep. I'm going to keep walking up the road. Just go somewhere and make mud angels. And it really care. got better. It really <laughs> did. You know, after, after just a little bit, then the sun came out, it dried all up. You got smooth, you know, just crevices they could just go down, and it it turned out really, really well. Killer, I think. Oh, definitely killer. Awesome. You know, if there was like, if there was a term of like, you know, snow, snow, pow, pow, or pow, pow, whatever, snow, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, what I'm talking about for like snowboarders or whatever. Yeah. If there was that for like, we need to have one for gravel. Just be like, <laughs> yeah. Dry, dry mud, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like velvet. Like okay. velvet. What'd you say? Velvet. Velvet. Yeah. Velvety dirt. Oh, oh. Well, velvet kind of, it would have a lot of rolling resistance. That'd be Velcro, would be the one where it like sticks, oh, makes yeah, your tires right, right, stick. Right, you know. yep. Velcro Velcro is the next step well, dryer. Almost like a red from... velvet, because the red. Yeah, yeah. Red like velvet. Velcro is one step drier than that mud that sticks to everything. Like right. when that mud starts to dry, it turns into Velcro. Yep. And then like peanut butter, maybe. Yep. I don't know. Peanut butter might be a step before that. Yeah, we can yeah. we can quantify it later. Yeah. Okay. So Griffin crossed the finish line. We all I had beers. We had and just showered me. PBRs, cans, shooken, sprayed, incredible. And then you you did the most memorable thing of <laughs> like all. The, like like Andre the. I mean, you're the biggest guy in the room. <laughs> and like sort of like tall, Andre tall, the giant wood. And like yeah. built, well built. <laughs> oh, yes. Well built. Well built. Yeah, yes. if you were a lumberjack, no one would be surprised. Yeah, there's actually beard or uh, there's there's mud in my beard right now. Yeah, there is. I, I'm yeah, not... I was about to say at the at the <laughs> oasis, he's like, is this mud in my beard? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. saving it for later, man. But like the big, like we saw this from inside. Like you just took a beer and chugged it and then spiked it into the yeah. middle of the street. Well, before then, though, I think is what Bobby is referring to. Yeah, I was. Um, well, you chugged the beer, right? And then we did the toast. No, we right. the toast, oh, and then, and I then the you drink the beer. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm sorry, my mind is so. So more. go ahead. So for the past probably hour of the race, I was listening to the final countdown. You know, <laughs> oh my uh, gosh! Naturally, and uh, <laughs> let's say, let's say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's say I know that song very well now. Um, it really, it really helped me get through because you know the last part of the course I, I knew pretty well. Um, I've written it a lot of times, and and so I was like, okay, I need some pop up music. And so I started listening to that song, and I, I kind of got to thinking of like, you know, when I cross that finish line, like what, like what's going on in my mind, like what, what, did I, what did I experience in this entire race, and like how did it, you know, earlier they uh, when we had the writers meeting, uh, I'm blanking on his name, Seth. Seth got up, and so Bobby's Bobby's kind of trademark is unlearned pavement, 
and so there's a you know there's a whole backstory behind that. But also Seth had a had a speech and he he kind of talked about you know how Bobby has his unlearned pavement and he has nothing, but he he came up with transformation, and you know that kind of got me rolling in my mind. I was like, okay, you know, uh, let's okay. Let me let me give you a little description of what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing a white jersey, um, which sorry used to be white. It's it's uh, definitely mud stricken right now. Oxyclean. Um, yeah, something like that. It's gonna need probably. Yeah. I'm actually just gonna leave it. You should. Um, but so when I was writing, I was like, okay, I'm covered in mud. You know what? What kind of what, what have I experienced from this race, and what have I? What has happened to me? And you know, when I was alone for the past. Four hours, maybe five hours. I don't know. Uh, I just got to thinking of how, of, of what kind of transformations I've gone through and like what I've learned from it. And so, uh, I, I said in my speech, I said uh, confidence, endurance, and positive attitudes are not stains you can wash away. I said that's transformation. And that's unlearned pavement. Then I chugged a PBR and spiked it on the ground. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. And it just doesn't get it. It, it doesn't get explained or, or or embodied, maybe. Embodied. Yeah. yeah. Harnessed. Mm. Um, I don't think you can ha- harness this man in any other way. <laughs> yeah. You did incredible, Griffin. Thank you for coming, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Like district bicycles. Um, I remember when they first came in, I was like, man, what is this place? They got all these, like, sick bikes. They got, like, these turquoise things and, like, all these cool colors. Okay, this is pretty sweet. And then they really built a community in Stillwater. Uh, it's it's really just a huge group of friends that is always welcoming to any newcomers or any Yeah, you definitely you know, get that, that vibe really, coming in here. Awesome. Like, it's like the shop is really open. You can see people working on the bikes. You know, they you know walk around. They're all very knowledgeable, and they have a bunch of group rides and a bunch of activities and you know sort of socials that they have. And so it's really changed Stillwater. And so I recently graduated, and I'm living in Oklahoma City, and I've been up in Stillwater for the past almost every weekend for the past couple months uh, when I can to come ride and come hang out with my friends and. Uh, with my Stillwater family, so that's awesome, and we love we love it, man. Yeah. When he's here, when he's here, we're hanging out in the workspace, we're we're it's drinking beers, we're flirting with each other as as, as grown men, <laughs> as men, grown men do, as yes. grown men do, because we we have a, a deep love for each other. Huggy Always. Bear is bromantic, is, deep, yeah. deep love for bikes, and yeah, Dude, incredible man. So great job. Yeah. So. Thank you both. Thank I'm you. I'm glad all. we could chat with you. I'm yes. glad you got to finish. I would have hated if something happened, like your you know, wheel exploded or yeah, something. Yeah, you know. know uh, so during my first race, actually, sorry, just a no, little, yeah, yeah. A little OKCX. aside. OKCX, OKCX yeah. uh, El Reno. Uh, there's a gravel ride, and I there were. It was an unmarked road, you know, unmarked course, sort of like land run where they don't have you know stop like people blocking the roads and everything like that. So they're crushing it. Come on. Well, there's a huge hay bale collector. Coming down the road, and you know, it has a huge spikes and spinny things. It looks like it's a torture machine. Okay, yeah. And it's taking up the entire road. So there's like two people behind me, and we were kind of riding in the group, and we were riding, and we go, and I lead everyone off the road, and then back on to go around this, you know, hay collector. Well, when we did that, went through goat head patch, and popped all six of everyone's tires, and I only had one tube. And then, luckily, Craddock, one of the other guys, he had an extra tube, and he was running tubeless. But, anyway, he's right there. What do you know? Hey, yeah, buddy. there he is. Talking about you. And so... Oh, there we go. Okay, so... 
it's it's it was a it was a great experience. So I was really uh, I was prepared more this time for sure. I'm gonna open the garage door. Yep. So with that, we can wrap it up. Now you guys need to get your stuff done, and we appreciate everyone letting us come up and do the race. Thank you guys for uh, coming and taking interest. In Thank us. you for finishing with such a great outlook on yeah, life. Definitely. So, Matt. All right. Matt. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you both. You guys did incredible. Um, I don't know if you talked about the, the tandem situation earlier. We were, no, we yeah, were going to do our cool, own, so cool. we'll talk yeah, about it. Yeah, incredible. Um, thank you so much. I'm so sorry that we didn't talk on the phone. It's okay. That's all right. You had a little bit of shit going on. We did, Like man. putting together an entire race that was awesome. Thank you, man. And uh, I just want to say thank you to every single person that came here and, and believed in us. Um, that wanted to spend time here. That that wanted to be a part of of Land Run 100 and, and Unlearned Pavement and District Bicycles. And we have we we have no, we had no idea, and and we just roll with it. And community district is a synonym for community. The name of the bike shop, and and we we bleed we bleed that. We live it. We we do that. Every moment, every day, falling asleep, waking up, we think about it. How can we affect our community to be the community that we want to live in? Not, woe is me, because I live in such and such community and it's not what I want it to be. Well, get up and do something about it. Make it different. You have the power. You have the power to be positive. You have the power to tell people that they can be something better than they are right now in this moment. And they're capable of something that they never thought they could be capable of. That's Landry. So... Please uh, check out stuff online. There's going to be photos, I hope. And there was a lot of people taking pictures, so pictures. something should come up. Yeah. Um, check out the website. Um, next year will be spring break for us again. Second week of March. We'll have the date posted tomorrow. Can't Sweet. wait. Can't All right, wait. man. It's uh. Thanks it's, for a great time. Thank you yeah. guys so very much. Thank I love you. you guys so much. Thank you for coming and being part of it. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you. So this has been the coverage of the Land Run 100. If you think that you want to do it, uh, remember in the first uh, first episode, it sold out in like two weeks. Or the first uh, interview we did with Bobby, it sold out really quickly. So you should sign up for any notifications you could get. If you can get on an email list, if you can do anything. Go to the Facebook page for Land Run. There and, is one. And like it and check it. Um, you're, if you, you do want to do this race, the weather's going to be better next year. I can just feel it. Um, I think this is part of every race's growing pain. Uh, the race has gotten a lot bigger. Uh, you have to have bad weather. At some point, they handled the weather in the best way that anyone can handle weather. And if and now you have all of our advice about how to deal with the mud if there is mud. Exactly. So uh, do it. You should do the race. It's great. It was a good time. Um, I definitely will try and make it back out there next year to do it again. I really enjoyed it. I think it was a, a really good time. And uh, maybe the last reason you shouldn't go is if you don't want to get a hug from Bobby, you can't go to the race because <laughs> Bobby's going to hug you for finishing his race. He's going to hug you before the race probably. He's going to he's going to Huggy Bear. He he has the nickname Huggy Bear, and Huggy is fitting, and and Bear is not because he's a. He's not a bear. He's like sauce. a huggy cub. He's a huggy cub. So, <laughs> uh, I hope everyone. Oh, um, we love you, Bobby. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed living vicariously through us. And if you haven't, go out and do it for yourself next year. It'll be great.